Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're finishing up our work this month in the Rhythm of Life of Matthew Kelly's. And you might remember we started out the month talking about what is success. The idea, really, when we look inwards, is it something that we can measure? Do we feel successful in this life? And of course, <clears throat> that opened up that whole question about what's life's purpose? Why are we here? If we want to feel successful in life, then maybe we need to know why we're here on the planet. Maybe we need to have a greater understanding of the inside of us if we want to talk about success on the outside of us. Well, interestingly enough, he finishes up the book, again, talking about success. I'm going to start with a quote. If you ask most people what they want from life, as I have taken to doing in recent years, you will discover that they wish to achieve success. But if you ask these same people to define success, you'll end up with as many different answers as there are people. The Oxford Dictionary defines success as favorable outcomes or the attainment of wealth, fame, or position. But if this is what success is, please, please tell me there is more to life than success. Or tell me that success is something else then, something more. And he goes on then to talk about uh, Ralph Waldo. I'm having trouble talking today. (laughs) You have to bear with me here. Ralph Waldo Emerson's definition of success. To laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children. To earn the appreciation of honest critics and to endure the betrayal of false friends. To appreciate beauty, to find the best in others. To leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition. To know even that one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Do you see the difference here? The dictionary definition has more, I would say, to do about chalking up how you're doing in the physical world. You know what I mean? Measuring it by your bank account or your accomplishments or the things that you've done in your life. Where the Emerson quote has more to do with us being essentially who and what we are. It's cultivating our natural instincts towards love and giving these. It's it's more of a the journey and less about some definition of the arrival point. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of success. Matthew Kelly says that one of the ways we can measure our success lies in in, in a couple different ways of approaching life, and we're going to talk about those. Actually, to segue into them, I managed to find a joke about success. So two fellows are walking across the African veldt, All of a sudden, in the far distance, they see a cheetah. It takes off, racing towards them at top speed. Well, one of the fellows takes out a pair of Nikes from from his backpack and starts to put them on. The other guy, with kind of a, a surprised look on his face, exclaims, Well, now, wait a minute. You don't really think you can outrun a cheetah with a pair of Nikes, do you? Well, there's your mistake, said the first fellow. I don't have to outrun the cheetah.
so is that success? Is it just being able to outperform someone else? Is it just making sure that you're not at the bottom of the heap? Is success so easily measured by, by other people and the, the feats with which we can mag- imagine, whether it's running faster than people, whether it's, uh, um, I don't know, whether it's being more successful in business, whether it's being smarter or having a bigger education than someone else, is it the, the size of our homes, is it the neighborhoods that we live in, are these the things that spell out, spell out success? See, I don't think so. And, and Kelly says, in particular, we need to avoid the trap of doing this. What he means by this is, for so many of us, our lives are pre-programmed in a way, almost, and, and, and uh, pre-programmed to be full of stuff to do. So think about it for a moment, the many different roles that you play and all of the many doingnesses that going with them. So everyone here in this room is a, is a citizen. So part of the doing is contributing towards taxes and the other things that we do as citizens. Each of us here is also a man or a woman. And think of the things that go along with those kinds of roles and responsibilities, right? We have to uh, have a job. We have to earn our living. We have to raise a family and all of the doingnesses around those things keeping track of our stuff on the planet, taking care of our apartment or our home, uh, all of the doingness around maintaining automobiles and roofs and gutters, the doingnesses that take place at work itself, no matter what kind of jobs we have, my gosh, there's long lists of things that need to be accomplished. There are the doingnesses of family, the doingnesses of being a, a good neighbor, the doingnesses about just Anything you can name, any role, any position that's held, any, any way of being on the planet has a long, long, long laundry list of things that are to be done. And even when you start to think you have a handle on them, right? If you're any kind of person at all, you start seeing ways to improve that doing this, right? You start imagining, well, if I was really doing my job, if I was really successful, I would do this and I would do it in less time so that I'd have more time to do something else. I would find ways of doing it with fewer mistakes and at a higher quality. And then I would really become an expert at it. And then when I'm an expert, I can start doing the things of mentoring and helping other people. And you know what? If you're not exhausted by now, I am. If we spend our entire life doing, a couple things are going to happen. For one, for one, we're not done. There's something about doing that almost by definition isn't done. It's the getting to the done. It's never the done. And the more you do, the, the, you're never any closer to the being done. You're always finding ways of improving it, ways of making it better. So, so for begin, to begin with, there's the fallacy of doing reaches a done. Because it doesn't. You're always a father. You're always working. You're always whatever it is that you are in your many roles. There isn't simply a day when you're done with it hardly. The other thing I think that is the mistake of thinking that success is through our works, through what we do, and that's that somehow I'd like to think that success means I'm happy. 
And just a life filled with doingness is no guarantee of happiness. Now, it may be, right? Uh, we see those people out there who have managed to somehow find those jobs or those positions or those roles that really make their heart sing. And you can spot them. I think no matter what job you've ever been in, what career or, or, or what observations you've made, can't you notice, don't they just stick out almost like a light bulb, those people who really love what they're doing? And to them, the time passes like that when they're doing it, too. It might be a job that you would find harder, tedious. And somehow, when they're doing it, it's like bliss. It's like they're lit up, like they get, they get energy from it instead of expending energy from when they're doing it. I think this has to do with what Kelly talks about as the power of being rather than doing. And I want to have another quote here for you. This one actually is from the New Testament. And and it's uh, one of the most often quoted parts of the New Testament when you hear the subject of grace coming up, that idea of living in God's grace. And it's from Matthew 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Could any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your lives? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They too do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed as fine as one of these. The idea of living in grace is that it isn't about the works. It's like the the lilies of the field do not have to toil. They simply exist and they're provided for. Now, this Bible quote, of course, very famous for the idea of illustrating grace in the world, that it isn't by your works, but, but by your very nature that you are rewarded or that, or that you're supplied. But I want to think about it for a minute, because this idea of just being something, being a flower, I think we're kind of missing the point here a little bit. If you think about it, even a flower has some work to do, Right? It's true, the rain comes from heaven, the nutrients are in the soul. On the outside, perhaps not a lot of activity that's visible, but my gosh, you gotta come up every year. Right? You have to reach towards the sun, and, and, and part of the whole purpose of being a flower is what? That gorgeous display in the spring that's wrapped, and, and lilies in particular, the beautiful fragrance and the, and the joy and the beauty, each one, each one uniquely different, and yet a field of lilies, just picture it in your mind eye. This is not doing nothing. This is showing up exactly how you're supposed to be showing up. This is like you at your finest bit, doing absolutely everything, because the everything is to bloom, is to be that gift of beauty and fragrance in the world. And so, so I would suggest that, oh my gosh, no, it isn't, it isn't that the lilies of the field don't have to do anything. It's just that they don't have to do anything that's against who and what they are. It is that ability to know you're in the right spot doing the right thing for you uniquely. 
And here's where the doers of the world, I think, get into trouble, right? Because it isn't that the doingness of any particular kind of thing is awkward or wrong or troublesome. It's just that so often, it isn't your thing that you're doing. So often, it's someone else's idea of what should happen that you're doing. You're, you're reenacting the idea that maybe you were told by your mom of what a good mother is supposed to be. Or, or maybe you're reenacting pictures of the past of your own family, thinking, this is the way a family should be. I need to do all of these things to, to cook the five different kinds of potatoes at Thanksgiving. <laughs> or, or, or this is what, you know, having kids go off to school, you know, this is what raising children are supposed to be be like, I need to do all of these things in order to stack up to that idea of the perfect whatever. But the trouble is, you didn't come up with that standard. It may not even be for you to do. Not all of us are here on this planet to, to be in families in certain ways or to have certain kinds of jobs. Not all of us on this planet are, are intended to fulfill all of the weird little roles that Madison Avenue says, here's what a, the perfect woman looks like or here's what the perfect guy looks to look like. I mean, I, if I see one more magazine that says I should have six packs, I, it's like it's not gonna happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like maybe that is the perfect guy, but someone else's perfect guy. If I hold out for the six packs, I'm not gonna be a successful human being. It just isn't gonna happen for me. And so what Matthew Kelly says is, let's put aside the doingness first. Let's put aside for a moment, if you will, the doingness of life until we understand more fully the beingness of life. And here's where, of course, this month we've talked so many times about what is our purpose here on the planet? What is my dream for moving forward in my own life, both spiritually and maybe as well in a business or in a purpose? Why am I here? When we can answer the question, why am I here? What is my gift to give? What is my dream for the future? Then the doing this will be effortless then we're in that zone that we've seen other people have where, where they can do a day's work and actually are embellished for it, are, are lit up by it, are fed by it. When we're in that zone, when we know who we are, the working around it, the deeds, the doingness is effortless. But do we know what it is? Do we know what that thing is? Do we know who we are? And so kind of leads me to an early exploration of our homework. And I have to tell you, here, here we are near the end of this year, and I'm going to give you the hardest homework assignment for the whole year. And it's simply to answer the question, who are you? Now, I know many of you may not have journals or do a lot of journaling, but, but I, I would ask you as a favor to yourself this week, if you would sit down each morning with a blank piece of paper and a pen or pencil and just write down some thoughts, and do it just for this one week even, some thoughts around who you are. And by that I mean, what is your purpose? Why are you here? What are you becoming, right? Each one of us, I think, is growing in some way. And, and, and what is that progression? What comes next? So if you could answer the question, who are you? Now, you'll be tempted at first to write down a whole list of roles 
and that's okay, right? You're going to write things like that, things down like, well, I'm a wife, I'm a, I'm a mother, um, I'm a coworker, I'm a boss. Um, you'll write things like down, I'm, you know, I'm the president of the PTA, or or I help out at the women's club, or what, you know, whatever it is, and that's okay. But consider for a moment that most of those are about a doingness. And so I'd like you to examine the next layer down when you answer who am I by thinking about the beingness. If it weren't for those activities you were doing, who would you be? Okay? Now my thought is, once we know even a glimmer or, or a additional steps around who I am, then the doingness gets easy, right? Because then it starts involve, involving our, our choices in life. Once we realize that maybe my life's purpose is to bring love and joy to the people around me, or, or maybe once we realize that, that our purpose here is to be, I don't know, the, um, really great at, at helping people um, find answers in the world, or, or maybe our purpose uh, to be be here is to provide a, a safe environment for children. You know, you know, whatever, whatever it is that is our our thing is our purpose. The nice thing about knowing it is, without even thinking about, we start looking at the world and its answers and its choices through those eyes. So then we begin saying, well, if I do this, will it help me provide that safe environment for children? If I do this, will it illuminate uh, spiritual truths in the world? If I, if I don't do this, will it allow me to help people you know, find their true love or find their passion or, or whatever it is? If we don't know why we're here, our chances and our choices start getting a little random looking. If I really don't know what my purpose is, I might just take the next thing that comes my way, whether it be a job, whether it means a life partner, whether it means a hobby, right? If we know where we're going, we can choose wisely. If we don't know where we're going, we're apt to just take the first job that, that's offered to us. So many young people out of high school or out of college, I, I swear sometimes they take the first, they apply for 25 different jobs and they take the first one they get. Sometimes that's a good fit. Sometimes that's not a good fit at all. So let us begin choosing more wisely by knowing who we are. Let us begin choosing our lives, our jobs, our partners, our, our ways of being, the places we live, our lifestyles. Let us begin choosing knowing that it's alignment with our dreams, knowing that those choices are here to enforce and help us create lives of passion. I'm going to close today with another quote from this book. It's really how he ends the book. Our world is changing so very quickly. It can be a little frightening at times. It's easy to become so busy worrying about the future that we forget to live our dreams. Well, there is something wonderful about a dream. It is not the achievement of the dream, not the end that matters most, but rather the pursuit of those dreams that are born from deep inside us. The pursuit of the dream is our life, is our purpose. 
It does something mysterious to us. It fills us with hope, with passion, with enthusiasm, and it expands our capabilities as a human person in every way. And so I ask, what are we waiting for? Do not waste your life because life is there. All you have to do is reach out and embrace it. Anything is possible. Whatever your dream is, make it happen. Take that courage and start today. Let us pray. There is one life, one God, one power, one presence. Whether it goes by the name of God in your vocabulary or, or, or maybe more simply just life itself. What I know about life is that it includes everything. Every person, every place, everything, every situation, all of it. All of it is part of the infinity that is God. And what I know about God is that all good comes from it. And so in my life, on this day, I accept in my own heart that simplicity of knowing who I am before I make the choices of what I do. I look inward to that higher wisdom self, that connection that is always in the presence of God, and I begin to ever more clearly understand why I'm here, what my dreams are, what's good for me. And once I have that realization, of course, the good choices flow from there. The ability to do and to choose is, is so easy and effortless. And as it is true for me, I know it is true. It is capable for each person in this room. Each person here has that ability to know their own heart, to understand what makes their life sing. That ability to, to recognize a dream and move forward in it to make that dream a reality. And I know as each person here does that, they're supported by the universe, that the universe does whatever is necessary to fulfill those inward dreams, those, uh, um, those uh, abilities to bring forth something beautiful in this world, even, even as the lilies of the field do. And so on this day, I claim for this group, living in that grace of God, knowing that we're supported as we have understanding and motivation to be our best selves ever. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful to be here in the power and the presence of God itself as it takes the form of the people in this room and beyond. Grateful to be in the midst of God's grace. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I know it's good. I know it's great. I know God says yes. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center 
or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.